Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, last chapter today of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 24. Uh, yeah, this is one, this is a very curious ending, right? Um, you know, for me, I look at this chapter and I think to myself, now hang on a second. Uh, well, first of all, what's so bad about a census, right? I mean, it seems like a responsible thing to do. Didn't the Lord Jesus himself tell a parable where he said, you know, hey, if two kings are going to go to war, shouldn't, you know, you sit down and count your troops, right? Makes sense. So, and then another question, uh, God seems to get really, you know, mad about this, but doesn't it say at the beginning that God made him do it, right? Like, what's going on with that? Um, and then, you know, you got Joab, of all people, being like the good guy. So, eh, just just very curious chapter. And uh, yeah, and then you got to think about, so what's this say also? that this is the last chapter of 2 Samuel. Like, what's that What's that kind of getting at? Why do you end the story right here? So, uh, lots, lots of interesting things to talk about, even though it's a little bit of a shorter chapter. We're joined today by our guest. We've got Pastor Dennis McFadden, pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Good morning, brother. How are you doing? I am doing well, other than you have given me one of the toughest chapters in all of Second Samuel. My goodness. Uh, they're, they're, they're all tough, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, what did I, I do, what did I do to deserve this punishment? You must have you must have conducted a census of your congregation. <laughs> I must have. Hey, did I you just, purge I'm the roles the recently? <laughs> I'm just one of the part-time pastors. What did I do to deserve uh-oh, this? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, well, I mean, someone had to do it. So thank you for being that brave yep. soul today, this morning. Um, you know, it, it is uh, it is interesting. And, uh, you know, for those, you know, who are uh, bold enough to stick it through Second Samuel and make it all the way to chapter 24, um, I mean, it is just a really interesting way to end the book, right? Oh, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's a... Uh, well, you know, it kind of it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, just just to like start it early, I guess, with the, uh, you know, IP owned by Disney. So, I mean, like when, you know, Infinity War ended with, you know, like Thanos killing everybody. I, I mean, I mean, the effect there was, I think, OK, well, there's going to be a sequel. You, you know, I mean, like no one like walked out of the theater thinking like, OK, that's just how the story ends. Um, so I wonder if maybe something like that's going on, but yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll have to get some, some ideas, some, uh, your, your take on this here, but, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's start before we go ahead and read the chapter. Let's, if you would brother, start us off with a word of prayer. I would, I would like, in fact, in fact, with a chapter like this, let's start with one of Luther's prayers. Right. Oh, eternal God, heavenly father, we poor servants of your gospel confess that on our own. We are too little and too ill-equipped for this high ministry. Without the help and assistance of your Holy Spirit, we cannot begin or complete any good. Therefore, we heartily call upon you, beseeching that you would let the Spirit of grace speak now through us, poor feeble instruments, and open our lips and fill our mouths, that our tongues may seek your glory and the good of this church, through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. Amen. 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 Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, yeah, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of wisdom you find uh, laced in the prayers of Luther, and I mean, like he always he always has. You know, it's it's a. Uh, I, I mean, it's an interesting mix, right? You know, he's got on the one hand this like fiery boldness where, 
Like he he's not like one of these guys who's like always hedging his bets and he's like, well, maybe it means this. Maybe it means that. I don't know. You know, take your pick. I mean, he does that sometimes, you know, but like, but he very often, you know, just goes out there and he's like, it means this guys. And we got to do that. And boom. And like, there's a, there's a kind of, kind of fiery confidence. Uh, but on the other time, there's also this humility, right? That's just like, how could I possibly interpret this the right way? I don't know. Who am Absolutely. I? I mean, so it's, a, it's, yeah, a, it's an interesting I? dance, right? Yep, it is. But, um, so making, uh, Making that dance here today. Uh, any any remarks just to kind of, um, I don't know, anything else that would be helpful before we read the chapter through? No, I'm ready for you to tackle it. Uh, start reading and let's talk. All right, let's do it. Okay, so we got Second Samuel here, last chapter of the book in the English Standard Version. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go. Number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Go through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and number the people, that I may know the number of the people. But Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as, as many as they are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see it. But why does my lord the king delight in this thing? But... The king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and began from Eroer and from the city that is in the middle of the valley toward Gad and on to Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and to Kadesh and the land of the Hittites. And they came to Dan and from Dan they went around to Sidon and came to the fortress of Tyre to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites and they went out to the Negev of Judah at Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to the king. In Israel, there were 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000. But David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I've sinned greatly in what I've done, but now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you, choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him and said to him, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall, shall there be three days pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but... Let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time. And there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It's enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of 
Arauna, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please, let your hand be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Aruna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Aruna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Araunah said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, and the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Araunah gives to the king. And Araunah said to the king, May the lord your God accept you. But the king said to Araunah, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. Hmm. So many fascinating facets. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you, you, we, we could talk about, I mean, you, well, first of all, you've got giganto numbers again. Uh, you've got this interesting yeah. thing with this, uh, this angel, you got this, uh, this, uh, th- th- this, like three by three thing. It's like, a, I can't remember what is it. It's like, it's like, what is it? Like tekel, uh, shekel, parsing, mena, like, oh, I, yeah. I forget how the, how it goes. Remember in, in, uh, in Daniel, right? right. You, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's like this kind of like this threefold judgment, like, you know, you, you know, behind door number what two, right? You know, so like, yeah, I, I well, mean, there's just, there's so many things going on here. And uh, I think that for me, the kind of overall takeaway um, is really just like, I guess, how small it makes David look at the end of it all. What do you think? Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, we begin we begin the, the the narrative of First Samuel with the death of Samuel, and uh, well, I mean the uh, you know that doesn't end all that well, uh, or rather, uh, his birth and death doesn't end all that well. There's there's promise in his life, and he doesn't end up being fulfilling all that much the promise that we expect of him. Uh, the birth of Samuel in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, now we see the end of David, the one that is, you know, the last of the prophets, Samuel, and then the first of the kings. And it's not exactly a failure, but it isn't exactly, he, you know, he doesn't end with a bang, but more of a whimper. He, um, yeah. he ends up disobeying the Lord in the end. Um, and there are all kinds of debates over what was his, what was his sin, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I suspect it was following on the rebellion of Absalom. Uh, there was some fear in there. Uh, he wanted to make sure that he still had the army he needed. Uh, it was probably a combination of manifestation of his pride and a lack of faith. 
uh, rather than trusting in the Lord, uh, which ironically Joab, that you know that rather right. crafty, uh, unscrupulous general who was never less. Uh, amazingly effective uh, Mm -hmm. infighter all the way through is, you know, trust the Lord. He can multiply all the army you need. You don't need to go around counting your army. You know, God can multiply the army you need, but Mm -hmm. he has a lack of faith in, in when the going gets tough, he begins to doubt the Lord. And there may even be a hint of um, machismo that he wants to show off his military might in aggression. So, You've hmm. got a combination of pride and a lack of faith and fear that maybe he needs to trust in his own uh, wits rather than in the Lord, and then possibly a hint of uh, using his troops uh, for aggressive action. So you've got David kind of the man after God's own heart, not showing exactly uh, his best side there toward the end. Yeah, at that, the that, end of the end, you you yeah. got him doing something that sets up uh, a very messianic theme with uh, purchasing the ground that ultimately becomes the place of Solomon's temple, that becomes the place of Zerubbabel's temple, that becomes the place of of uh, Herod's temple, that uh, was the place uh, uh, tradition says where. Uh, uh, Abraham went to sacrifice his son, his only son whom he loved, which is on the same mount, uh, just a few hundred yards from where Golgotha is, where God sends his son, his only son whom he loves, to do the ultimate sacrifice uh, uh, a thousand years later. So uh, this is, yeah. this is a, you know, it's an ama- the tie-ins are just amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know there's, so there's a lot there. Um, and yeah, I, I appreciate you connecting some of those dots. I think that by, by having this right as, as the last chapter, I, I think that yeah, everyone kind of senses, right. I mean, it's kind of with the ending of anything, you, you know, like everything is very pregnant, right? Like everything's just like, hang on a second. It's like, it's, it's not just that he's just you know, buying a an alt, you know, put, buying a place for an altar here, right? Like, like it, that's not just an altar; that's like an altar, right? And so, uh, you know, yeah. connecting it back to Abraham and Isaac, Did or me? even the the ultimate offering of uh, the Lord Jesus, right? I mean, I, I think that th- those are the connections you you, you got to see by being placed this way. Um, the the thing that you were saying earlier, though, about you know what exactly is his sin? I I think we got we we've got to reckon with that um because I, I think i think it really kind of just changes the whole way you look at this if depending on how you you think of what what he what he's really doing wrong here um and, and i gotta say i didn't expect to uh to be talking about uh you know uh machismo this morning but i mean yeah i mean that's an intriguing possibility right i mean you know is, is that what's going on like that uh that but, David's but getting a little bit his, big headed again. Out of his insecurity, he's he's or, you know yeah. thanks to thanks to thanks to Joab, uh, in yeah. large part. Uh, although Joab went against David's express command, "Don't harm the boy." Uh, Joab essentially ends Absalom's rebellion by making sure Absalom isn't going to be around to fight another day, and. Uh, uh, you know, Absalom rocked David. Absalom came within a hair's breadth of taking the kingdom out of his hand. Yeah. And that is about as, you know, David had his close uh, shaves with uh, with Saul, but this is about as close as you ever want to get to losing it all. And uh, yeah. coming out of that experience, he's got to have been, you know, that rocked his world. 
to have, yeah. uh, you know, Absalom, Absalom, my son, right. you know, to have him turn on David like that. Um, and then well, in, in the yeah, wake I think of there's that, a lot he, of... he starts to number the, he starts to number his troops. Yeah. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. There's, there's a lot of human reasons. There's a lot of human reasons why he might want to do this, right? Some, some of them, like you were saying, kind of maybe just like emotional, right? Whether, whether, uh, you know, like out of like kind of a, a traumatic place or an insecure place, right? Or, or, I mean, there's just a lot of practical reasons why he might want to. I mean, there's, there's lots of things, but I think we need to start with uh, this comment here. And, and what's fascinating about the chapter is like, yeah, you, you get that, um, you get you get later on that you know God's gonna be angry about this census, but it starts off with God being angry. It start it starts off with God being angry against Israel, and it says that I mean this is interesting. It says he incited David against them, saying, "Go number Israel and Judah." So I mean, so I think this is kind of like just the challenge number one. Like now, hang on a second. Like God's telling him to do this. Yeah, uh, I, I think for our listeners, one of the important things, and uh, uh, during the during the COVID quarantine, I I started to do some of the some of the reading that that I put on the back shelf and and not gotten around to, and I started reading some of the the old uh, Lutheran authors that I'd I'd wanted to read for a long time and never got around to it, and one of them was uh, was Gerhard. And he's got a gem of a quote. He said, God, the creator of all, didn't desert the work which he framed, but by his omnipotence up to the present time preserves it, and by his wisdom rules and controls all things in it. And those old Lutheran guys after after Luther passed away uh, and died, uh, they they distinguish between God's action and providence of permission, of restraint, of direction and determination. And they said, God uses circumstances uh, and he permits some things to happen which are not his will, but he permits them. And he restrains some things from happening. He directs some things to happen and he determines some things to happen. And sometimes it's a mix of all of those. And that, you know, you can have God willing Jesus to go to the cross, and it says in in the New Testament, God handed him over to be killed. It says Judas handed him over to be killed. It says Pilate handed him over to be killed. Mm-hmm. It says the uh, the high priest handed him over to be killed. So which one was it? Mm-hmm. Was it the mm-hmm. high priest? Was it Judas? Was it God? Uh, you know who handed him over? And and God anger against his sinful people, you know, he hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then in the same chapter, it says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so God's anger at his sinful people and God using the census as the vehicle for uh, condemning their sinful, you know, lack of faith, to me, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. way I, I rationalize that is that 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 he uh, you know Satan uh, in James you get the same word used for yep. God testing our faith and Satan tempting us. Well, what's the difference between a test and a temptation? Well, the you know a, a football coach 
will put you through your paces to make you you better and and uh, your enemy will do the same thing to you to try to trip you and destroy yeah. you same thing but is it to make you better is it to make you bitter and and here i see god using the sinful desires of the people um to bring to a head uh their sinfulness uh and his judgment on that sinfulness yeah i i think it's 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 a very helpful framework that you've laid out you just just thinking about i mean the example of judas is good right you know that there's like simultaneously it's it's God handing his own son over, like Abraham offering Isaac. It's Satan handing him over. It's Judas handing him over. I mean, like, the, all these things that happen, right? Like, n- nothing happens in a vacuum. And when any one person or actor does something, it's never really just them, right? Like, I mean, it, it's a, this whole constellation of things. There's multiple levels, right? And that's that's always going on in all, in all our lives. No, no, one, no one just says, you know, kind of all by themselves— Oh, I have an idea and I will do this thing as if like that's totally them and they weren't influenced by anyone or anything, right? Like, no, I mean, it, it's always that multiple level thing. And I, so I think you see that going on here when it says, you know, go, um, you know, number Israel and Judah. And what's like fascinating about it too, right, is that if you go to, um, what is it, like First Chronicles uh, 21, I think. Uh, you, you get the same verb here, um, but but there it was fascinating, right? Um, it doesn't say. Let me let me just find this here. Um, there in yeah, First Chronicles twenty one. It didn't say that God does this. It says then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right. Which is like whoa. <laughs> Hang on, <laughs> did God do it or did the devil do it? And uh, yeah, I mean, so to your point, it's just, this is where you yeah. can legitimately do the whole say yes to a either or question. Like this is like oh, this yeah. is one of the few ex- cases where I'm okay with that move, right? Because it is, I think, like Job, right? Like God is is using his uh, his chief prosecutor to to work his will in that way. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of clear, too, that, you know, getting back to David, uh, David's delight is in the wrong place. And uh, he, he, he delights in what he's going to do. And it's, it, you know, that word delight there, I think, is a significant one for us, that he's taking delight in the wrong thing. But uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's yeah. interesting how, how that, you know, that kind of jumps out at us, too. Yeah, no, that that that's really good, and um, well, it, like Job, right? Or we remember, um, and I'm I'm I'm, ex- I'm looking forward to this because on Monday we're going to get to look at Job, um, but uh, it's interesting because when when you have that in the story, right? Like you, you've got this uh, this uh, claim that you know that the Satan makes, saying, "Hey, you know what? Just you, you think he's this great? You think he's righteous? Like he's just acting that way because you know, the, like you know, the chips are up and things are looking good." But just wait until you know I make things bad for him, and then the real him's going to come out, and we're going to see like just mm-hmm. how righteous this guy really is, right? And, and so, so, the, so the claim, right, is is that you know actually deep down this guy is not as righteous as everybody would suppose, um, which is the crazy thing because it's like on the one hand, like Satan just actually has a good point, um, 
I mean, as, as it, you know, ironically, he often does. And, and so I, I think then that that really brings out your point that, okay, sure, God is uh, allowing or using Satan for this purpose. But at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, proving that, yeah, uh, David still is a uh, man after God's heart. Uh, yes, but um, not the the knight in shining armor that people sometimes make him out to be. Uh, I got to take a break here, but when we get back, we will continue our contemplation here of Second Samuel chapter 24 in just a minute. by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Trinity Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and our Savior Lutheran Church at 10.30, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 9.30. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. Cross Defense is the show where we talk about curious topics to excite the imagination, equip the mind, and comfort the soul with God's Word. Join me, Pastor Tyrell Bramwell, every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio, or anytime on KFUO.org, or even your favorite podcast app. My friends, our foe is a fierce enemy. Our only defense is Christ on the cross. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Oratio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 24, last chapter of 2 Samuel. And uh, yeah, as I was saying, you know, this, this is really neat uh, because we're, we're talking about this. We're talking about um, this idea of God um, allowing Satan or using Satan um, in this testing, right? And so we have this, uh, this testing moment uh, of David, and, and it really actually works uh, very nicely, even uh, more nicely than I had hoped, because yes, on Monday we're going to be going into the book of Job. But special thing here, we're not um, going to be doing just, you know, chapter by chapter through Job. And so we're going to take uh, some special episodes here to look at a whole bunch of other books of the Bible. So we'll be looking at uh, Job and Genesis and Jonah and Leviticus, and we'll just be looking at one chapter from each of these things. It's going to be a lot of fun. That all starts on Monday. I hope you guys can tune in for these special episodes that will be going on uh, between now and and uh, yeah, right up until Christmas Eve. Uh, last one will be on December 23rd. So uh, yeah, I think there'll be some good tie-ins between today and then looking at Job 
on Monday. If you've got any questions for us today, for me and our guest here, Pastor Dennis McFadden, pastor at Emanuel Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, you can give us a call at 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Got a couple of questions here, uh, a lot of them about the angel of the Lord at the end. Yeah, I want to talk about that too. Uh, it reminds me of a couple other spots in Scripture, like who is this angel of the Lord? What exactly is going on there? Um, another question here, kind of talking about uh, well, I mean, like, it just, just, uh, it's interesting how Joab, Joab says, you know, the Lord, your God, right? And, and there's the talk about what God is doing in this chapter, you know, what is the relationship here uh, between God and everything else? Good questions over email there, James. We'll take a look at some of those. You can also post your questions or comments on facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa, the live stream we've got going there. Uh, some questions about the large troop numbers. Oh, buddy, I could go off on a whole thing about that. We're going to see. We'll have to have Pastor McFadden probably reel me back in. Uh, <laughs> but yes, so yeah, the good good questions. Keep them coming if you do have any others. Um, yeah, I want to make sure, uh, don't neglect to thank our underwriters of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word for all these years. All right, so right before the break, um, yeah, we're kind of connecting these dots. Um, you know, God, God using Satan, um, God testing, right? Uh, like you were saying, I like the way you put that. That was poetic, right? Is it to make you better or make you bitter? Um, yeah. yeah, you know, no, that that that's uh, well, and, that's well said. And, and, he, and I think in the go ahead. Here you yeah. here you've got David who who in the Psalms is rejoicing in the fact that God delights in him. And then Joab uses that very same verb to say, my king, why are you delighting in doing this census? It doesn't make any sense. You know, David's delight is not where it ought to be. David's delight is in doing something that uh, even Joab realizes doesn't make any sense. And uh, yeah. and the Lord is going to use that, that, that uh, sin on David's part uh, ultimately— uh, in a good way, and we'll see that at the end of the chapter as as it moves yeah. toward David uh, purchasing the the property that will become the temple. Well, okay, yeah. So you, you can see that how God is doing this in David's life. Um, well, and, and in the life of Israel too, right? I mean, because we, we can't overlook this because uh, it is it is easy to go a little bit too psychological on this, but it does say, again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, right? So th there's, there's also this idea of trying to make Israel better, right? And and we probably need to like talk about, well, right. why, right? Or, or for what? Um, so so there's that too. But, but it is very interesting, and I think for me, it, it kind of goes back and takes me back to Saul, where it says that God sends this this vexing, unpleasant spirit on him, right? Um, right. And and I think it for me kind of suggests like, okay, yeah, really, like God's very justified in doing this, and it's like just because you know God, um, you know, sends a, a vexing spirit or sends a an insightful spirit, you know, like like Satan himself sounds like. A, I mean, I guess he describes Satan as vexing, right? <laughs> or uh, you know, in, in insight. In, uh, not insightful, but um, you know, insightful with a C, right? Like uh, you know, someone who like Inciting. incites things. 
Yeah, right. Uh, I guess you describe Satan that way. Seems like a fair descriptor, right? So when God does this, right, I mean, like, Saul didn't have to, like, he wasn't being mind-controlled, right? He didn't have to say, you know what? Yeah, I just can't help it. I got to throw this spear at David. I, I mean, you know, he could have, you know, sinned and repented, and <laughs> like David does here, right? Absolutely. But he doesn't. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's a there, there's yeah. that there's that difference, right? It's like God God is like you know providing this opportunity here. What do you think the opportunity is for Israel, right? Like what what do you think is going on here that um, you know God's angry with the the people, and and that's how this ball gets rolling. Um, that's a very good question. The people, insofar as Many of them were going along with Absalom's rebellion. Many of them had joined uh, forces with him uh, rather than following the king anointed by God. Uh, scripture said that God would anoint kings. It was not something that was to be done by anybody but God, God's choice of the king. So you have the people uh, chasing after someone that God did not want them to chase after, and that is going to come to a head following Solomon when ultimately the kingdom splits because the people have it in their mind that they have a right uh, to follow uh, after uh, kings that were not anointed by God to be the leader of the people, and uh, that may be part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I he think certainly that wanted to create a people for himself that would be a light to the nations. Yeah. And one of the things Jesus, uh, uh, I think one of the points that gets overlooked in the cleansing of the temple yeah. is Jesus is in the court of the Gentiles, and Mark's gospel uses the full quote from Isaiah about uh, uh, it as a place for the nation, a place of prayer for the nations, yeah. And they had turned it into a den of thieves because it wasn't fulfilling its purpose of its universal purpose of of, of being a, a light to the nations. And I think certainly God wanted uh, his people, Israel, to be a light to the nations. That's one of the themes that comes up in Jonah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are all possible. Yeah, I don't know what I, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's right in that in that area. Um, I think particularly what you were saying about this kind of you know, leading up to the split, right? The breakaway with Israel. I, I think that we've actually been having that uh, uh, kind of ominously foreshadowed for a little bit now. Um, you know, back in chapter 19, uh, we saw that there was this tension between Israel and Judah, right? And um, Israel was complaining to Judah, hey, we've, we've got 10 shares in the king, right? They said, yeah. um, in, back in chapter 19, right? And in David also, we have more than you. Um, and, and so this idea of like, hey, why, why, why do you get this special privilege, Judah? Um, why shouldn't he uh, have his capital in the north, in Israel, right? Um, you, you, you had the rebellion of Sheba after that. We have no portion in David. We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse, right? I, I mean, so you, you've got all this, and I, and I think, yeah, I, I mean, it's the, it's the narrator signaling here, um, you know, after everything that's been going on with all of the civil war, um, right, which which uh, with Absalom, which uh, I think we we talked about, kind of seems like maybe it was kind of more of a Judah versus Judah thing, and Israel's just like, forget these Judahites, <laughs> like we're we're better yeah. off on our own. Um, yeah, I mean, is this like God being like, hey, I, you asked for a king, I gave you the king, you have to follow the king, 
right? This is what you mm -hmm. asked for. And he's, uh, th this is kind of like a, a chance to reel Israel back in before that split uh, happens and uh, becomes permanent. Yeah. God is presenting them with opportunities for repentance, which the prophets bring to a head. Uh, Hosea and Amos uh, to the northern kingdom and the and the and most of the rest of the prophets to the southern kingdom later on and uh, to no avail. And so you see the uh, Syrians uh, being used as as God's tools to punish the northern kingdom and uh, the Babylonians as God's tool to punish the southern kingdom later on because they won't heed the the, wor the warnings of the of the prophets the same kind of warnings later so you, you you get warnings here that have relatively small consequences which are going to have tremendous consequences in 722 721 yeah. and 586 580 uh, 587 586 yeah. later on no it, certainly and in, in all those situations right there's going to be these different um i mean the military situations that are going to really, I think, impress upon the North, like, hey, you know, this is where your allegiance should be. Why is it elsewhere? And and with a, a census like this, right, because we talked about this, how, like, there is no, like, big, grand, you know, army of of the nation or something, a standing army. Um, you know, this is like them going around being like, hey, you owe your allegiance to David, so how many troops we got here? Um, so it would it would have mm -hmm. been an interesting reminder, I think, for everybody. Um uh, turning, you know, from, from David and the, the people for a moment and getting to what Joab in particular says, a couple of interesting characters here, right? Joab, one of them, and then also Gad. Um, you were you're pointing out how Joab says, you know, hey, why does my lord the king delight in this thing, which is very insightful. Um, what, do you, what do you make of Joab's response, though? And that, like it says even in verse 4, that king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders. I mean, so it seems like Joab and the commanders are trying to talk him down from this. Um, yeah. and, and, he, and as they do so, they, they say, um, may the Lord your God. Uh, interesting <laughs> yeah. way of addressing it. Yeah. Right? What do you think? Well, we've seen that before. We've seen that before with uh, with the way Saul referred to uh, the Lord when he talked to, to Samuel, the Lord your God, in mm -hmm. 1 Samuel 15. Uh, That's right. You no, know, I did what the Lord your God said. Um, yeah, yeah uh, it's not uncommon even today for military leaders to be at odds with the civilian uh, commander in chief and try to talk him down from megalomaniac uh, ideas. It seems like kings and commanders in chief have ideas that are often at odds with their military commanders, yeah. and they have to be talked down from their 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 notions. Uh, it is unusual, though, that Joab would be the one to do it. Uh, a more unscrupulous, uh, uh, stab-you-in-the-back infighter you'll not ever find, the, the assassin of Abner, the, uh, you know, David on his deathbed basically uh, gives Solomon the warning, uh, whatever you do, be sure you get rid of Joab. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he was so, intensely loyal to David uh -huh. and carried out not he he not only facilitated David's virtues but he also facilitated some of his vices. And well, uh, yeah. here we have him here we have him uh uh acceding to the king's request. Of course they were relatives. Uh he was yeah. the son of David's half sister but um uh here uh here Joab you know, is a good soldier, and he he obeys orders. 
Yeah. You know, yeah no, no. It, it, I think he I, tries to talk him out of it, and ultimately he does it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really great way of just kind of describing like the tension here, right? And it, it is fascinating that Joab, who it just seems to be so hard to put your finger on, right? It's like, you know, it's, he, 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 he disobeys David. He's fiercely loyal to David, right? I mean, he is, uh, he's just kind of like the ultimate pragmatist of this story. Like, he, he, like the thing yeah. he's going to yeah. do is the thing that is going to work best for their political situation, just kind of regardless, right? Which, which I think then, um, in this context, if we, if we see it that way, I, I think it, it, uh, to, to kind of hop onto that point you were making, we were kind of developing together uh, about the census and the North's loyalty. I think Joab can see, hey, uh, the North right now is kind of in a delicate position, politically speaking, right? We kind of have them hanging on by a thread. If you go around doing the census thing, um, they're just not going to take that too well, right? Like we, yeah. <laughs> like we should, we should wait, you know, maybe do some stuff to kind of garner some more goodwill <laughs> and then maybe you can do your census, right? But I, I think Joab senses that this is actually just going to upset the North more. Um, and right. he's right. He's right in the end. Right. Um, and, and, and I think, but, but the thing is, it's interesting that he does frame it in pious terms, right? And says the Lord, your God, which I think yeah, is a, yeah, yeah. a, a polite way of reminding David, um, I don't think your God would approve of this, right? I mean, I, I mean it's yeah, the most exactly. delicate way he could say it, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Yahweh, your Elohim. <laughs> uh huh. He is your God, so you're, you're, yeah, maybe... you're 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 the you're the you're the you're the pious guy. You know, he's your Yahweh. Yeah, no, no, that, that's well said. Right? You're, hey, David, you're like the the pious guy, right? If you if you won't believe me for like the political reasons, right? Like, just think of your piety, yeah. right? Like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, no, no. I, I think yeah. So so Joab is just a just a good speaker, but I think that's that's very that's very good to see like how there's uh, those those levels to it. Anyway, so yeah, like you said, he he goes and and they and they follow orders, and we, and we get the description of how they go around everywhere, and this is one of the uh, neat little moments. We don't necessarily appreciate it because, um, you know, maybe we're not familiar with all the names, but it gives you a sense of just how large David's kingdom was uh, because you, you do go, whoa, like all the way up to the fortress of Tyre, right? Um, and, and just kind of like all the other place names. If you trace this out on a map, this is kind of where you see that map. Yeah, and you're like, it, oh, it, okay, it, this is larger yeah, than Saul's. It goes in, right. It goes into the area that we know as Jordan today. It goes up into the area, uh, parts of Syria and Lebanon. Uh, I have I have I have been up. Uh, half a dozen times on the border of uh, Syria and Lebanon on the northern uh, in northern Israel. And I have looked at that territory looking toward Damascus from the border of Israel. And and uh, I haven't ever gotten as far up as as uh, Tyre or Sidon in Lebanon. Uh, but, yeah, that is a that is a you know, it, you know, you're looking at uh, 100 and oh, maybe 150 miles uh, north yeah. of Jerusalem, yeah, uh, something like that, uh, yeah. to, to uh, Sidon. And mm -hmm. uh, Beersheba uh, is, a, is a desolate, uh, oh, you know, little desert community in the, in the Negev. Uh, yeah. there, ain't, there ain't nothing anywhere near uh, Beersheba. It is a little, it is, a, it is in the middle, uh, it is literally even today in the middle of nowhere. 
It is, <laughs> but but it's but, it, but it's nowhere. David's middle of nowhere. Right? <laughs> it is David's middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's now, right. Today, uh, it's not too far from the Israeli uh, nuclear uh, uh, arsenal, but uh, back then it wasn't a nuclear arsenal. It was the southern outpost of the kingdom of, of David. But yeah. yeah, and it took uh, the better part of ten months uh, to make well, that yeah. uh, counterclockwise uh, circuit right. to number all those troops. Uh, Josephus uh, uh, gives pretty much the same kind of numbers. Uh, you're the expert on the Old Testament, so I'll let you discourse on it. That's not my field, but uh, oh, okay, I, I think, the numbers. I think yeah, Josephus yeah, gives about the same kinds of numbers as as First uh, uh, Samuel does. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, so anyway. it, is, it is interesting when you consider Josephus as a source, right? So, okay, yeah, so Flavius <laughs> Josephus, right? What I, I mean, it's a uh, he, he's a very useful source, um, particularly because I mean, like, well, we know he was like in uh, the Judean army, right, before he was captured and put in service of of Rome, and so he has uh, a lot of insight and familiarity with things from a like tactical, political. Uh, military perspective, right? And, and so he, he's, and, and you get some independent confirmation of things seemingly. Um, however, he does seem in a lot of places to kind of just be following whatever his copy yeah. of the Bible <laughs> says, right? And so it's sort yeah. of like, if there's a corruption in the text here, and he has the same corruption in his text, it's like, it, you know, so so yep. it, it is yep. it is challenging. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the the scholars who look at this stuff, they'll say, okay, these numbers are just way too gigantic. So, like, he's got uh, like a full muster strength of over a million men, um, you know, and, and, and people will bring up, you know, like, problems with this. I, I think that sometimes then there's, like, a kind of conservative counterpoint that says, well, now, hang on. If if God wants to raise a million men for David, he could do that. You know, he could do that out of the stones of the earth, right? Like, you know, like John the Baptist says. It's kind of like what Joab says, like, may God multiply everything by a hundred, uh, right? And so it's like, yeah, well, God could do it, right? Like, no disputes there. Um, just, you know, d did he? And like, I, I got to say, like, it, it seems unlikely because if they did have 1.3 million men, like, I think they could have just steamrolled everybody. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think there would have been like a rise of the Assyrian Empire if they had like that kind of uh, number. So it's it, you know something that you know people can, um, you know, people people debate. Uh, my 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 quick take on it is that I think this is a corruption of the text that originally said that they numbered, um, they numbered everyone in Israel who was twenty years old uh, or older, and. Uh, that basically you had that that number there saying like referring to the age um, and and then later that ended up getting corrupted as oh it was like the number they came up with but I don't actually think there was a number okay. uh, for, of, of troops originally it was just saying that they carried it out oh, okay. among the 20 plus year olds well I'm not the PhD student in, in Bible so I'll I'll let you work on the numbers well, you don't want to be. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, just a, I'm just a poor part-time retired pastor. What can I say? You know, sometimes it doesn't sound so bad. But uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyways, well, <clears throat> there's, there's a, you know, to, to, to each uh, God has a special gift. So, uh, yes. all right. But so, so yeah, so good, good question, though, um, Paul, though, on, on Facebook there. So that, that, that's my quick take. And, 
you know, I mean, take it for what it's worth. Okay, but we got to take a look here, though, uh, about this angel of the Lord and the punishment, right? So so what do you make of this? Because this is, I mean, this is so fascinating on multiple levels, right? Okay, first of all, Gad. Oh, Gad, we haven't seen him in forever, right? So uh, what, yeah. what do we make of, you know, it, it's not Nathan here, right? It's it's Gad who shows up. Um, so, like, there, there's mm-hmm. kind of a question all by itself. Um, and then kind of secondly, like, what's with this, like, you know, like, you know, kind of Monty Hall thing, right? Like, you know, like, here's your three options. What do you, what do you, what do you make of this? It's, it's very unique, I feel like, in the story. It so is far. unique. It is unique. Um, David, uh, I gather that Gad was the prophet that served as David's personal seer. Uh, Nathan was more of a uh, recognized prophet uh, that God sent to him uh, because he became aware of David's sin with Bathsheba, whereas, uh, you know, we're some time later than that now, uh, quite a bit later than that. I don't know if, I don't know what the situation is and uh, uh, and and why Gad is, is, is the one, but uh, there's certainly more than one prophet in Israel, and so uh, the Lord uh, uh, deputizes Gad to be the one to put the bell on the cat, and he goes to uh, the king. I didn't. I. I didn't. Uh, unless you see something more significant there. I, well, yeah. I, I think the the only thing that that kind of like occurs to me is that I. I feel like I. You, you can. And it's not a lot to go on, right? Because it's not like Nathan or Gad or like really particularly major characters right they're not like samuel level right um uh, but, nathan was a very dramatic you you're the man with yeah. the parable gad uh, uh gad just you know he comes to him and he says you know you have three choice you know the lord has given you three choices which will you choose yeah no, that, that that's oh. right. So 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 I think that like you do get the sense, maybe just there's not a lot to go on, but that they kind of have these different functions, right? And that Nathan is more of a like you know, you know, you know, like hey, so what do you think of me building this this temple, right? And like hey, you know, like you know, how how's how's the David administration going, right? Where he's kind of like like prophet and kind of more of this kind of like. Uh, almost like advisory kind of capacity, whereas Gad, right? Remember, like what the last time that Gad did show up, um, it was uh, I, I think he was in a situation where he was uh, on the run, and it was like, hang on a second, um, what what should I do here? Do are they gonna you know give me up to Saul, right? Or you know, so should I get get out of here, or can I stay put? And Gad's like, uh, no, you don't want to you don't want to stick around. So like, there does seem to be like a sense of Gad is more of a like, hey, this is what's going to happen, so you better yeah. like act accordingly. Whereas Nathan is kind of like, this is this is like the, the merits of like your behavior, which, which is I think just kind of fascinating because actually kind of what you pointed out that like, I mean like within among among prophets among pastors right like God has kind of different functions or kind of specialties maybe we'll say, and I do think yeah. you see that and like there's not like kind of like one cookie cutter where like you know. Every believer, like, is you know, holding holding up poisonous snakes and walking through fire and stuff like that. Like, there's there's different roles. Well, some some are more some are more uh, exhortative and some are more uh, didactic. Some do more teaching and some are more confrontive and and uh, specialize more in exhortation. Uh, Yeah. uh, You 
know. Well, uh, where, as it says in the New Testament, right? You know, there's there's different you know gifts, right? You know, whether it's yeah. you know teaching or encouragement or uh, you know uh, uh, evangelizing, right? Or or all the rest, or even administration, right? So I mean, uh, I, I think that's this kind of a, a neat little moment there. So uh, he gets he gets the three choices, and they each have three, which you know very very ominous, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, David, you know, he, he, makes, he also he, was involved in the in the in the temple site as well. Not only the, right. the you know er, later in the chapter, we have him surfacing a few verses later in verses eighteen nineteen with uh, with the uh, site of the of the altar and the and the temple. So that's that's right. a significant role as well. No, that's right. So yeah, so it's it's fascinating that we get this connection then to the temple, right? And that that it really that the temple is kind of then like the the answer to this somehow. Um, so just a couple minutes left. The thing that comes to mind when thinking, okay, so like what's what's the the, the how's the temple kind of like the the answer to this problem, right? Well, I mean, you know, if there's a temple, then there is centralized worship, right? Then there's like this is the place for the whole people of Israel, and so it kind of seems like in some ways maybe this is getting back to this this division, this selfishness, right? I don't know, like just uh, close, closing thoughts about like I guess how how is it that you know uh, you know this this altar that paves the way for the temple really is kind of the the solution pointing forward. Well, it, it, it's AJ. It seems to me that that God's solution to sin is atonement. Uh, personally, God's God deals with us uh, repentant sinners by administering forgiveness. The church exists to dispense forgiveness. Jesus uh, died for our, uh, our our sin and rose for our justification. He is the propitiation for our sin. The, the temple was the concrete uh, embodiment of the forgiveness of God, looking forward to the coming of Messiah who would take away, who would be the lamb who would bear the sin of the world. And, uh, the resolution for David's personal uh, problems, as well as for the sins of Israel, as well as the sins of the world, yeah. uh, is the one who would come. Amen. I, th- I think you're, uh, that's spot on. It's at both things, the temple and the angel of the Lord, both pointing forward to Christ, who is, uh, who is the judge and the justifier, right, of all who would hope in him. Thank, thank you so much, brother. I, I, think, uh, I think you really helped us all a lot get our hands around, like you said, a challenging chapter here. Uh, thank you, and God, God bless. Everybody, uh, Pastor Dennis McFadden, Emmanuel, Fort Wayne, Indiana. All right, going on to Job next week. Tell that I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.